All right. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the meeting place. This is the meeting after the meeting where real talk takes place. The goal of our discussion are to inform, enlighten, and to offer resolutions. We have several things um, on our agenda for topics. We're going to start with the results of the primary. So whatever state that you're in, if you want to discuss anything that was of great importance that went through um, during your primary, and then we'll move on to the other topics. So we can start here with Michigan with the results of these primary elections, what you liked or didn't like or what you would have hoped that happened. And whoever would like to start, that would be great. I don't really think there were any big surprises. Um, the only controversial or one of interest was uh, Rashida Tlaib and uh, Brenda Jones. I think that's in uh, District 13. Yes. Um, but it turned out the way uh, maybe some thought it would, and then I think maybe it surprised some others. But to me, I don't really think it was a surprise uh, because Brenda Jones' record um, in Detroit as the city council chair, uh, to me, was not impressive. Okay. I know. I was looking at um, when there were so many people on the roster uh, a couple of years ago um, before Rashida Tlaib got in. They said it split the vote, and that's why she didn't have a chance. But then this time around, I was listening to a discussion on, uh, I think, WDIV, and they were saying she's not going to be a shoo-in as people think. So it, so it kind of surprised me because I thought that um, that would have helped since it wasn't so many people on the ballot this time. Yeah, and see, and see I really wasn't surprised because, uh, you know, I don't know how, you know, how I'm a proponent I am of Rashida Tlaib, but I know Brenda Jones just hasn't been impressive. And once you get in that seat, you know, that's that seat that was held by John Conyers forever, and many African Americans thought by that um, occurrence that that seat belonged to an African American. So it was just really surprising, and people were pining after that, after that seat when John, when it came up. And it was, you know, and you just, excuse me, but just as you said, uh, there were so many people in, and Rashida Tlaib came out regarding that split vote, at least that's what they, they were saying, uh, but it wasn't any split vote this time. And I think that's more of a, um, a testament to Brenda Jones's um, inadequacy, you know, as a city uh, council chair. Okay. Thank you for that. Any other states? would like to chime in or I will go to the next agenda. I, I just wanted to add in on, on the gentleman that, that just made comments. I, I also think that um, with, with the race between Brenda Jones and um, Shalita, um, it went beyond Detroit, see, mm. and, and, and the areas that the 13th district covered, it, it goes beyond, it went beyond, it goes beyond Detroit. And um, Brenda Jones was very popular in Detroit, 
But once you go outside the city of Detroit, you know, um, that's, I think that's what made a big difference as well. Okay. All right. Yeah, it, 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 it could have to some degree. Um, but even, you know, because they redraw those lines every so often, depending upon who's in, who gets elected and, you know, that whole process mm-hmm. there. But mm-hmm. the, I think the bulk of those voters uh, were from Detroit. How that district is drawn, the bulk of them are from Detroit. If, if John Conyers was still around, he would have, and things were as they were, you know, a few years ago before that scandal and whatever that was, you know, whatever we want to call it, um, mm-hmm. John would have won that vote easily, and it could have been just because he had been there so long. But mm-hmm. rest his soul, at some point, John was not going to be there, and somebody was going to have to assume that position. Somebody else was going to have to be reelected, and John could have had an effect because he would have endorsed the next person, but that didn't occur. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, you know, Tlaib is there, and uh, you know, we just got to hold her to the fire and make certain that people watch her in that regard. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Very nice. All right. I have questions about the Electoral College um, because they're going, well, it's talks that they want to change to the popular vote. Wanted to know your views um, on, on that matter as it relates to presidential election. And whoever would like to go in first, that would be great. Well, I believe that's the true election right there, the popular vote. I believe they should get rid of the electoral vote. That's, that was it's pretty much outdated. It's been outdated for a long time. So the popular vote gives you the most um, accurate uh, feeling, true feeling of what the Americans want. I, I agree, and I have a question of what's the obstacle to changing it? Why, why haven't we managed to change it historically? That's a good question. Well, that, like that has to be done by Congress. That, that was put in with the initial Constitution. Uh, it was put in to protect the states. Um, and uh, to, to get into a long conversation about the, the specifics about it would really take a long time. But that was put in to protect the states where population weren't as big, weren't as large. It's just like I, under, I understand that, but what's the obstacles? What are the obstacles Sun, to sunshine, modernizing? Yeah, you have to. That has to be done by Congress. It can't be. It can't be by a vote of the people per se. The people have to put pressure on the on on their congressmen and their representatives and their senators to raise that issue, and then it may even end up going to the Supreme Court because that was in the initial Constitution. I mean, those kind of things are not easy to change. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I guess the only thing I would say about that um, is that, no, you know, I'm not a proponent of how this past election came out. You know, I wish it would have came out in a different way. 
But this question really didn't uh, hit the apex until we ended up with this president. And so I don't want to. I don't want people to look at this as a solution because it could. When you look at changing things, it could also backfire in a different way just as well. I think the solution mm-hmm. to what might be the underlay of what we're talking about is for people to get out and vote. People to yeah. get out and yeah. once you get out and vote, the electoral college won't be an issue. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'd like to chime in there, too. Um, uh, yeah. I think um, they want to keep the uh, electoral college in, in place because if you look at it, uh, white people are becoming the minority in this country, and they keep uh, redrawing the uh, lines for voting and, and delegates. So I think that most uh, uh, politicians don't want to change that right now. I think they want to keep it the same because I really feel like they're afraid that, hey, we're losing power here, and the way to keep power is to keep the uh, electoral college. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Well, I'm going to move on down the list here then. Um, let's look at the post office, the things that's going on with the post office. Um, are they going to be ready for the upcoming absentee ballot? across the nation. What do you think and why? No, they won't be ready. I haven't received any mail today. Received one piece yesterday. <coughs> and every day is decreasing less and less and bills that should have came come after the bill is due. Mm-hmm. I mean, if this is I don't I'm not clear as to why I understand he wants to privatize it. But to, for what business? Certain has a a certain person in mind, a certain company in mind to privatize it. But to do it at the without any plan or forethought, and to make it better is worse because senior citizens need their medicine. Everyone doesn't have access to internet to pay their bills mm-hmm. online. So then that's messing you up. You're you you late on your bills credit scores are in, involved. So it, it's, it's very frustrating. Now I'm thinking about getting a um, box, a P.O. box, so that I can go there every day and pick up my own mail, but then that's costing me money to do that. But at least I have to get my mail. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's else? I'm waiting on um, my internal. That bill hasn't come yet and is due the end of next week. I would have typically, under normal circumstances, would have gotten it a week ago, almost a week and a half ago. But like I said, no mail today. Yesterday, one piece of junk mail. Two days ago, pretty much the same thing. We haven't received any of our current um, mail. And this has been going on for all summer, but now it's getting closer to the election. It's getting worse. Yeah. You're not getting your mail because of the fact of the, of the pandemic that's going on, or has it always been like that? Hired his friend 
that his donor, he this guy is rich, filthy rich. So he put him in charge of the postmaster. He fired the postmaster, put this guy wow. in, and then this guy got rid of uh, 23 people, executives. Not only did he get rid of them that knows how to operate the, the system, he cut back on overtime. It's a mess. They cut back on the hours, overtime. Um, they can't even... Um, hmm. he's, he's pushing back on all the mail service. What state do you live in, ma'am? I live in Michigan. Okay. We can look this yeah. up. Um, um, his name is... Hold on, I'll give you his name in a minute. His name is Louis DeVoy, and he was, um, she's talking about Louis DeVoy, who was, he was announced as the new Postmaster General as of May 6th, and he took appointment in June, and he was appointed by the Trump administration. Why? Is because as it pertains to voting and the mail-in uh, ballots, he wants to find a reason to justify maybe his losing or it being fraud or something like that. Um, as far exactly. as whether the Postal Service is going to be equipped and ready um, by November 3rd, or um, I think we start early voting here in my district. I'm in Illinois. Um, I think we start as early as next week. A lot of our early voting centers are not operative. They will not participate because of the pandemic. Um, we have certain counties in this area that are mailing out. I've received mine, my application for the um, the voting ballot. But what they've done is they have fixed barcodes on the return envelope, and that barcode has that person's name, address, and whatever else on it. And they're using that method. This is a Democratic county, so they're using that method to avoid any type of um, rumors or rhetoric about uh, mail-in fraud. Um, I think it needs to be a, a, a point where we can eliminate the post office altogether, and instead of the voting centers where people walk in, they're able to drop off, maybe in a, um, a, a drop-off box. We always have a certain number of Democrats and Republicans stationed at those voting centers and they would serve the same purpose as to oversee the voting process, but people, instead of mailing them in, it saves you a couple of uh, dollars or so, they're allowed to drive up and drop their uh, uh, ballots that are in vanilla envelopes into a box. So that's the type of things my area is trying to implement as far as keeping the um, postmaster general or the post offices um, out of the mix when it comes to voting. Yeah, this is, um, I'm I'm call, talking from Oregon, and we've had ma only mail-in voting for as long as I've lived here, which is 20 years. I I don't know when they started it, but it's been the norm here. And you can either mail it back in or drop it in a box, and it's always gone smoothly. And just a side comment: I haven't noticed any um, any decrease in my mail service. Um, I actually know some mail delivery people personally who have said they're not happy about the new leader and they feel strongly that they want to provide good mail service. 
on a individual level. So I'm hopeful. Mail-in voting, which hasn't been a problem, but he's creating a problem. It's a problem because he wants it to be a problem. He doesn't. He's discouraging people to do mail-in voting, so you constantly create chaos. That's what he's good at. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm hoping people feel strongly enough that they'll walk their ballots in if they have to because yeah, people are so too. fed up with them. Right. Very nice. All right. Yeah, I agree with all the previous comments, and uh, they were right on point. Uh, this is just another example of voter suppression and, and chaos and confusion, as one of the ladies uh, alluded to or uh, stated, rather, I should say, um, is to draw suspicion on the election. And so he sets it up so that whichever way it comes out, he would have talked about it either way. So he's, he's, he thinks it's okay in Florida and all the Republican states where the governors and uh, the politicians have a little bit more control over the uh, mail-in ballots. But in places where they're led by Democrats, he say it's going to be chaos, it's going to be bad. So he wants to discourage people from going to the, um, you know, to the, you know, to the election booth by saying that um, mail-in is going to be fraudulent. That's his way of keeping people away. But it's just another example of voter suppression um, that seems to be prevalent, you know, under this administration. And uh, and so everybody's worried and nervous about what's going to happen uh, when it comes through. But this has never been a problem before. It's the most secure way of doing things. He's even threw China and Russia into the mix. You know, he's talked about them uh, getting into it, and they can't do it if it's all online. But they can do it if it's if it's um, if it's mail-in. So the mm-hmm. worse things get, the better they are for him. You know, his, his way to operate is through mass confusion, separation, and and, uh, mm-hmm. and chaos. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I believe, too, also that there is some type of um, um, backlash when it comes to that because I believe in the last election or uh, I think it was the last one, that they found, and I believe it was in the state of Michigan, I'm not sure, but they found a room full of absentee or mail-in ballots that had not been added to the initial count of that particular state. So I think in some areas there may be an issue, but I also agree that it's been blown out of proportion. Um, I think, like you said, um, they were the first ones to talk about the fraud with the mail-in ballots. However, I think the person that is first to speak about it is the one that's going to be partaking in it. So um, I agree that it is probably a way to get people suspicious about their vote not being counted is to deter them from using um, that particular service. But I think the best way is, like the other lady said, drive up and drop it in a box or you know, that mm-hmm. eliminates the, the post office altogether, and you know your vote mm-hmm. has gotten where it's supposed to be. So. Yeah. yeah. There should be, mm-hmm. there should be, there should be any mode, 
any way necessary to get people to vote and, and to assure them that their vote will be counted. Driving up, taking it is fine. It's excellent. I have no issue with that. Going to the ballot booth is fine. Mail-in is fine. But every vote should be counted. Uh, what he's mm-hmm. trying to do is limit the number. And so if, if he doesn't fund... If he doesn't fund the post office like he's like he hasn't done up until now, and so mm-hmm. what happens? You know, give them credit for having foresight as to how they're going to suppress uh, voting in this country. He wouldn't fund he wouldn't fund the post office long ago. And then he appoints his buddy to be postmaster general. So mm-hmm. this has been in the work. This has been in the works all along to not fund them. So now, if you don't fund them. They can't pick up the mail. And he's already got us thinking that, okay, look at your mail service now. You can't get things on time. It's going to not Detroit, Michigan, but to Detroit, California, and all these kind of things like that. He tells people that your post office is already screwed up. That's why your vote is not going to be counted. Well, it won't count, or it is screwed up because he won't fund it. The post office the uh, postal service mm-hmm. is ran differently and they're going to need, they need funding to operate. This isn't new that mm-hmm. they haven't had money uh, to do things, but it's bigger now because of the COVID-19 people are afraid to go anywhere. They won't mm-hmm. go to the uh, ballot booth because they're pr- afraid they're going to get COVID-19 or they're going to be standing in line for eight or nine hours until they mm-hmm. clean every button or everything, every pen and pencil that people pick up, so they, they're not going to mm-hmm. go. People, mm-hmm. uh, people are scared of what they saw in Georgia where people were standing in line for eight, nine hours to vote. So the worse it gets, the better it is for him. And Georgia, of course, has a Republican governor, which is what they want to mm-hmm. do. They want to show you all this so you don't show up. Mm-hmm. Therefore, mm-hmm. it works in his favor. Exactly. Um, uh, just heard today that a sticking point um, for the talks with Nancy Pelosi and the White House is funding, uh, well, one of the sticking points, I should say, is funding the post office. So mm-hmm. he's going to carry this out until as long as he can because now I hear, I'm hearing that they're not going to meet again until next month. So the longer this goes on, he thinks will benefit him if he doesn't fund the post office, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Well, he rejected uh-huh. today, $25 million. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, I'm going to move on to the next topic here. All right, the best places to fact check, to fact check, to check on <laughs> These political commercials, the campaign literature, and the candidates. Best places to fact check. I know I go online and sometimes I'm on there for a couple of days trying to find out all the information mm-hmm. before we um, vote. So I wanted to know, do you all have any great spots to fact check? Because, you know, uh, they can say anything. Um, as far as voting records, I know you can get on there. Um, if they're already in office, you can go on and see, you know, some of these voting records and things, but there's people that are up, you know, um, just campaigning and things. I don't like that they just say whatever and turn it to whatever, you know, whatever they would like for you to think, 
which we all know that that's politics. But I do, um, even when our president speaks, I don't like sound bites. If he's speaking, I need to be home or tape it or something so I can hear everything that came out of his mouth. So when they do sound bites, I'll know if, you know, if they were, you know, trying to make him look bad or worse than what he's looking or whatever. And same with any president. Um, well, Governor, I'd like to see exactly or hear what's going on for myself. So then when you hear the news feeds, I know what's true or not true. So I um, wanted to know your places that you fact check different things um, to make sure that um, you have just facts and not personal opinion. So whoever would like to start. Well, I like to look at um, different countries. I their news and um, the British news. It's good to just check out different journalists and news sites from other countries and see how it's being reported and then think about it. That gives you a different way of being a critical thinker. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, don't know. I like to use like your New York Post. Um, some of the the online newspapers, and I can I will compare what they say to maybe what I viewed on TV because I'm like you, I like to see it for myself and kind of discern what part of what I'm hearing is correct and what part um, that I'm not hearing. But a lot of times I rely on the fact checkers at the end of the debates and all of that, that go back and check the rhetoric that the candidates are spewing, I kind of rely on them as well. Um, So I use a different, you know, across-the-board type of media and stuff. I do my own research, but then the fact-checkers that are out there, I really rely on them because they get a lot of the information firsthand. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a news news outlet called... uh, Newsy, and they're pretty uh, objective, and, and they do a lot of fact-checking, especially on the president. Mm-hmm. So if you ever have a chance, uh, mm-hmm. it's called Newsy. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Okay. Cable network. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Very mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Anyone else have any information to share before I move on? For those of us that don't have cable, NPR is a really good one. Um, yep. You can listen to it on your radio or you can watch it um, on regular TV. It's like 56. I, I don't know what it is on cable, but um, PBS, which is linked to NPR. When you think of accounting and finance, what? Pardon? Hello? No. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Okay, I thought somebody said something or was adding something on, but yeah, I think NPR is pretty neutral. Um, yeah, they're they're pretty good with just presenting what it is and looking at it from a very neutral standpoint in regards to Democrats and Republican world, Republicans world events, and then how these um, international relationships can or cannot affect. Um, what Trump is able to do and um, not do, I guess. So, but that's, I think they're pretty neutral. I mean, we all watch MSNBC or CNN or um, mm-hmm. I've started to watch Martin more, but 
you know, um, some people may consider him to be biased. So I don't know if that would, quote, unquote, be considered a fact check, but I think that um, if the journalist on whatever channel has journalistic um, integrity, then you'll get the facts, and then you have to kind of decipher the um, subjective um, comments that come with the with the actual presentation of whatever the president said or some of the politicians or uh, what may be going on. Uh, but I think at this point, we've heard him say enough nasty stuff, and we've seen him lie in addition to people who are riding his coattails actually not tell the truth so many times. And then you also have seen him flip on individuals who are no longer a part of his team or his cabinet or whatever. So Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's pretty hard to find (laughs) – I think it's hard to find facts with the current president. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Anyone else before I move to the next topic? C-SPAN is another good – medium to get information from, especially when it's analyzed from, say, somebody from academia. Yes. Yeah, like, especially when it comes to, like, something on the Constitution and what the President or Congress can do, I would say yeah. C-SPAN also. Excellent. 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 All right. Well, I'm moving on to, um, well, we see Biden's choice for Vice President. Um, so, what choices would you suggest for him for the rest of his cabinet? You know, Secretary of State, Attorney General, all those. So, if you'd like to chime in, please do so. And who would like to go first? I, I think it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be a, a, a larger percentage of women in the cabinet mm-hmm. uh, because you have so many up and coming uh, women that are in in Congress um, and they have the credentials, they have the experience, um, they know the operations of, of the White House and et cetera. And um, they are very in tune to the issues at hand. And I think we're going to see a larger percentage of uh, female cabinet members. Yeah. Yeah. It scares me. I I, 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 I hope that he scares me to think that far. Yeah. I I think we should just worry about. Hello? Hello? Yes, it was two of you talking at once. Go ahead. Who, who wants to go first? Oregon, you want to go ahead and finish? Oh, I was just going to say um, I think it's premature to think of the cabinet. We sh- I want to just concentrate on getting mm-hmm. Trump out of there and then think <laughs> oh, about the cabinet. Okay. But that that's neither here nor there. So go ahead, the other person. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I think I would like to see Val Deming's um, – yeah, be attorney general. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, she, but she's not an attorney. That would be wonderful, but she's not an attorney. She was a social worker and a police chief. Mm-hmm. 
But she has good and policies. I mean, I mean, I think I think she's a force. You remember she was on. Uh, I think whether she was, uh, if she's not a lawyer or not. I mean, there's a lot of people in there who are not lawyers. Uh, but she she is in law enforcement, and I think yeah. she has been there for a very long time. And that um, remember she was on the committee of impeaching Trump, and she spoke very well. So I think it, it necessarily never has to be some uh, an attorney. I think it's someone who's no. within law enforcement in general. The attorney general. So she would be excellent. I agree, but she she can't because she's not an attorney. Oh, you have to be an attorney. Be yeah. The attorney. Yes. Mm-hmm. For the attorney general. To be attorney oh. general. Yeah. You do. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I will say this, I'm also um, I'm also a big fan of Val Demings. I, I believe she was also a PA. Um, that's a physician's assistant or a physician mm-hmm. as well. But um, mm-hmm. I'm also a fan of Karen Bass as well. I thought yeah. he would select either one of those. I was kind of shocked that he selected um, Carmela Harris. And I would have liked to uh, um, maybe see her in a different role. But since that's his choice, I'm all for it. Um, she was one of the three that I was hoping that he did uh, select, but I was kind of gravitating towards Karen Bass. I really didn't know a mm-hmm. lot about her. I kind of looked up some stuff on her, and um, um, she had a really good interview on Meet the Press and stuff, but I think mm-hmm. um, they probably would have um, really put her under the, the light when it came to um, – foreign relations and stuff, because I think she has some kind of past with um, Cuba in the past that they were kind of um, beating her up about and stuff. But those were my three, Karen Bass, um, uh, Val Deming, and then uh, Kamala Harris. Um, I I agree with Oregon as far as, you know, it's hard to say right now who we would like Mm -hmm. in these um, to fill his administration. But as long as there's a bunch of women, I'm all for it. Yeah. It's such a time as this. Yeah. You gentlemen, who would you like to see um, in his uh, cabinet? She's an attorney, and Amy Kobashaw is an attorney, and Elizabeth Warren is an attorney. So those three women are attorneys for sure. So that might be, you know, a thought of those. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. I think I think um Elizabeth Warren would have been would be a better choice for attorney general uh as opposed mm-hmm. to uh VP. Mm. Oh yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Very nice. Okay. I'm I'm interested to hear what people think of uh, Susan Wright. Does she have a oh. does she have any um any um credibility to be on the cabinet. I mean, I, I don't, you know, what do, what do people think about Susan Rice? I need to hear from the women like because the women are pro-women. <laughs> what do you think of her? I, I, like, I like Susan Rice a lot. Rice. I like her a lot, but she brings a lot mm-hmm. of Clinton baggage with her. And I exactly. Just yep. yes. I just assume be yep. done with the Clinton baggage right about now. I, yep. I, I like to see Mr. Biden. <laughs> I, 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 think that's, I think that's 
I, I believe that's one of the reasons why um, he chose Kamala uh, instead of her. I really mm. do. Yeah. It was too yeah. much Clinton connection involved. And, and, yeah. and, and but she, that, she, but, but Kamala, Kamala Harris is very molded by the by by by, um, by uh, Barack Obama. You know, he actually kind of yeah. along with uh, Willie Brown of of California, mm-hmm. uh, they molded mm-hmm. Kamala. So I could see. Yeah. Obama really like pushing for Kamala Harris, for and, her. She, and she brings yeah. yeah, and she brings she brings a possibility of of of, of many voters uh, coming yeah. to like to real top organizations. You know, you have all like uh, the the black sororities. You have all the the divine uh, nine fraternities. Yeah. You have the HBC. You have you have her. Yep. You know her her ethnic comes into play of of Southeast Asia, and then you have also, you know, the West Indies. So everybody's going to claim her in general, and so now people are really going to be hit. They, I think they brought maybe all that into play of how they could really get the black vote out there. I mean, they're going to have the yeah. – hopefully they will, will have the women's vote, uh, the majority of the women's vote, but definitely for black mm-hmm. people because they did not show up last time. So this is where to really hit the – the ground to really bring in um, uh, that uh, different demographics of black people to come in and and um, get that black vote out there. Because if they don't, it's just... But I always feel that we need lobbyists. I think that black people need lobbyists to really mm-hmm. go in there and say what we need and what we want. Because it, we, we just mm-hmm. always fall short. You know, we always, we always, I think, and I'm not speaking for everybody, but, you know, we have this hope factor in that, you know, we will, that what we put out there that we will hopefully uh, be able to achieve or get or whatever. But, you know, we always sometimes vote on the, uh, on the feel-good factor. And I get it because, we, you know, we, this Barack Obama was our first black president. But I think sometimes we have to go beyond that. And I think we really need just like, uh, the gay community, they had lobbyists. They went out there and they, and they held him accountable for what they really want because they, they spent that money and they spent that time to really say, this is what we want. If you want our vote, this is what you have to do for us. But we, you know, I think that black people don't do that. I think that we just sometimes, we, or most of the time, we, uh, if it's in a national, national um, arena, I think we, we vote on the feel good, and I think we need to go beyond that and really get some lobbyists out there to really lobby for us. Mm-hmm. That's just my take. Mm-hmm. But I think this, this will, I think the opportunity will avail itself for these grassroots organizations as well, and um, where lobbyists mm-hmm. will be able to come in and have more say and set an agenda. So I'd like we to got spend um, maybe three. Seeing that everybody was anti-Clinton, I kind of would like to see mm-hmm. someone of Hillary Clinton's caliber as the Secretary of State. I think she did an mm-hmm. excellent job repairing a lot of those relationships and foreign, uh, dealing with foreign affairs for those eight years, mm-hmm. even to the point where we were able to go back to Cuba, and we hadn't been to Cuba in forever. Mm-hmm. But she killed um, Gaddafi. Mm-hmm. She killed Gaddafi. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. 
Gaddafi was very important to, to, to the globalization of Africa and Asia of really, really like informing a, 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 a global, that where we could as a, 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 a quote-unquote people of color to really come, but they killed Gaddafi on purpose. And that was in Barack Obama's, you know, term. So, I mean, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm saying someone of her caliber in terms of mending those relationships with um, foreign countries that we may have had a problem with before because for the most part I think we were at peace with a lot of the countries that are now in turmoil with Trump being in office. And I don't even know who the Secretary of State is right now. Um, also, I want to say with Susan Had Rice, a lot of them. with Susan well, Rice, this, her um, mm-hmm. son is a Republican, and he's a Trump supporter. So that probably pushed her out of the possibility of being vice president. It's almost yeah. like Swami's mother being yeah, pushed out of office because of the mistakes of her son, because of the mistakes of Kwame, because... His mother, um, Sheik Kilpatrick, was a good politician for the time that she had been in there. And when Kwame did what he did, it messed her up as well because she, of course, defended her son, but that cost her her seat in, um, you know, it cost her her political seat. So those, those were just the two things that I wanted to point out. Somebody of... Hillary Clinton's, I guess, ability to mend those broken relationships with other countries. The Qaddafi thing, I guess I would have to look into more. Um, Politics isn't my best area, but I also know that the information is out there for us to research. And I know Mm -hmm. yesterday when I was with a group of friends, they brought up Susan Rice's son, and we were able to actually fact check it. It's like, oh, okay. So... Mm-hmm. You know, I myself would have to research some of the names that you ladies and gentlemen mentioned um, during this conversation. But those are the two things I wanted to point out. I think Susan Rice didn't get it because of her son, and we need somebody in the Secretary of State that can bring the world back together. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. the, the big thing with the mm-hmm. cabinet, he won't, announce, he won't announce a lot of those positions or whoever wins until mm-hmm. they're elected. That's pretty yeah, much right. right. If he's, he won't, yeah, right. he won't right. announce any, anything until then because it has the possibility of hurting him in terms of getting um, in terms of getting votes. Mm-hmm. My yeah. thing, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, we know that. Yeah, whether it's man, woman, <clears throat> black, white, whoever it might be, we need to get a mix of experience and some fresh voices. Mm-hmm. We and yeah. the reason, I, the only reason I say that is because you look at what this cabinet or what these appointments have done. Trump appointed his friends. Um, he's getting advice from Jared Kushner and all these people who don't have anything to do. They have no experience with politics. And I think you've got to have someone that's kind of been through the wars a little bit that, can, that once they're elected off of, off of face value or whatever it might be, that they're able to do the job. You know, someone can look cute and talk a good game and, um, you know, do a lot of different things, but in the end, 
they're going to have a job to do. And the job is to run the country. And if you look mm-hmm. at where we're at now in this country, it's because of the current president appointing his friends and people that are loyal to him. Now, I don't want to say loyal because mm-hmm. people are going to appoint people that are loyal, but people that have expertise in those jobs. You know, you can't have a businessman mm-hmm. trying to be a and – and the Secretary of State mm-hmm. is Mike Pompeo. You can't have right. – a, a businessman trying to go um, do things that someone with international um, uh, political experience would have. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you got to have mm-hmm. somebody that knows. And then you need a, some fresh voices that are yeah. free and clear from all this baggage. So the right mm-hmm. mix is important. Yeah. yeah. Hello. Hello, everyone. The the Hello. young lady is back today, but I've only been in 15 minutes into the call. Did you guys talk about the Supreme Court justice yet? Appointment? Uh, no, Possibly. we have No, okay. but you can I'll... go ahead and add that. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. You want me to go ahead and I can go ahead and talk? Well, go I was ahead. just yes, wondering. I, I wanted to hear some dialogue concerning. I heard that he said that he was going to appoint if he, you know, with the opportunity, which I'm quite sure he would have an opportunity in the four years to be able to to appoint someone to the Supreme Court justice. And he said a a black female, I think that was what was noted, that he was going to put the first black female on the Supreme Court justice. Yes, he did. Biden, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, Biden. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I, one of the ones I thought out there, which I know is totally out of the box, but I wonder would he do someone like Michelle Obama? I think she wants to come back. Yeah, no. I don't think she needs to right. Right. I don't think she does thing about her. her. <laughs> yeah, that she is something. So, but she would be powerful in that role. Mm-hmm. 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 And see, that's what I thought Carmela would be a good fit for. Who would be? You think Kamala would have been Supreme Court justice? Oh, for the Supreme yeah. Justice. Oh, wow. That's a that's a good thought. Got a now, yeah. now yeah. you know, I yep. um I wish they could um I liked when Barack was excuse me, President Obama was there where he he just put a mix on everything as far as who he put in different offices. And I know, you know, just partisanship bothers me a lot. And so I have much respect for Condoleezza Rice and Colin Powell. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could Mm -hmm. see them doing something, you know, with the next um, president. Mm -hmm. Um, Just I like that idea. Background, yeah. Mm -hmm. I I wish, you know, why do we have to have? all Democrat, all Republican, because I even enjoy the gentleman, um, Baltimore's governor, um, um, Hogan, Larry Hogan, I believe it is. I like his views. He's Republican. And I I just want people for the right reason. You're you're doing right by the people, not I'm a Republican. I only stick with Republicans. Um, so from my understanding with the Supreme Court, they're and supposed to be non-biased. Like, they're supposed to, even though you may have party mm-hmm. affiliation, when you yeah. take these cases into consideration, you have to be unbiased. Um, for. But we understand that the appointments come from Democratic or Republican presidents. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. the worry mm-hmm. that I have 
because it is in November. Yeah, it's July, August. If Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies or if something happens to that lady, it's a wrap. Like, Trump mm-hmm. is going to appoint someone either inexperienced and or a Republican that's a staunch Republican that's like anti-abortion, anti-this, you know, pro-whatever, and we can't afford that. Like, I really think she is holding on because I think she may have wanted to retire. And this is my way of thinking. I think she may have wanted to retire if Trump wouldn't have been president because then she would know that there would have been someone of her stature that was going to replace her. But because Trump was president, she's like, let me hold on four more years. And as we see. We've been praying for her. She got nine lives. That lady has right. been gone and came right. back because we have been holding her up. She has been holding on, like literally holding on, you know, by a thread. And, you know, it's by the grace of God that she's still coherent and doing what she's doing. And with all the health scares that she's had, I mean, viruses and UTIs and you cancer, I mean, you name it, she's pushed through it. So resilience is definitely her. But, again, I'm praying nothing happens to any of them until November until we see who's going to be in office. And they're probably, <laughs> you know, November. shaking, like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Yeah, well, if you remember, if you remember this Kavanaugh position, he replaced um, one of the judges that died before mm-hmm. the election came about. Was it and Alita or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't, mm-hmm. they wouldn't even hear the Senate. Mitch McConnell wouldn't even let them allow, wouldn't even um, right. put on the table of who the replacement was going to be because Obama mm-hmm. was still president. And right. at this late date now, with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, holding on, God bless her soul, and I think she probably has held on as best as she can for that uh, particular reason, yeah. They're not going to name a justice, a Supreme Court justice, until after this election is over. I think. Now, when mm-hmm. they elect, when they, when the, when the president recommends or nominates a judge, it's either going to be a liberal or a conservative. And party lines mm-hmm. will have a little bit of play, but when they talk about judges appoint Supreme Court judges appointments, it's always a liberal or a conservative. Very, very um, rarely do you hear them talking about party affiliation. They talk about mm-hmm. what their history, what their history has been. Their history right. has been to be a conservative, or their history has been to be liberal, and that's mm-hmm. why it's so important. But don't look at party lines so much. It may be mm-hmm. it's going to be a partisan president. You know, he's going to be a Democrat or a Republican, and they'll mm-hmm. nominate. But they nominate liberals or conservative Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right i'm going to move on to our last topic our last topic is this financial relief package that they're talking about now i wanted to get your input on what you think is best um because they were doing the six hundred dollars um what is that every week or something every week um and so the democrat uh, excuse me the republican party said that they would do the 400 they wanted to take it down a couple of hundred dollars so i wanted to hear your input why why not what do you think is best is something better than nothing um i've seen nancy pelosi's um rebuttal to that on i think uh, george wallace show this sunday 
Um, she, you know, they don't feel that the four hundred dollars is enough. Um, so, mm-hmm. wanted to get your viewpoints on that, um, and whoever would like to start, thank you. No well, takers here. Well, getting rid of the payroll tax completely. All that's going to do is um, eliminate Social Security and Medicare, and so that's what mm-hmm. they don't want to read. Right. Going out without he, they, he knows what he's doing because they've been mm-hmm. wanting to get rid of Social Security to Republicans years ago. So mm-hmm. this is perfect, and she's not going to agree to that. But what she mm-hmm. wants to agree to, which is um, more money for the small business, not going to those big businesses, but to the small business as well as families, and to linger it on for an extension of six months. That's where they're. That's where the breakdown falls. That's where they arguing back and forth because they don't want to give up that money. I think they wanted initially three hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then Trump said four hundred plus get rid of the payroll tax. Well, then mm-hmm. everyone is. In tr- I know I'll be in trouble without Social Security in the future. <laughs> in a few more years. We all will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think too. I think with the the four hundred dollar amount was the fact that the the state the government will pay the three hundred and they want the states to pay the one hundred. So they want right. the, they want the states to be involved in that payment as well. But as far as the, the tax, it will, it will cause changes to Social Security, and that's a big thing because you have to look at the masses of people not just people that qualify for it at a certain age, but you got your disabled people that, that right. qualify for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's mm-hmm. going to affect how that's distributed. She's correct. They've been trying to privatize Social Security and Meta, uh, Medicare for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, they mm-hmm. feel that those are the largest um, expenses for the federal government, but they owe these people that worked and the people that are handicapped. Some of them have been uh, in the military and they've come back and, you know, they've disabled and stuff like that. As far as the whole financial package and relief, they really don't want to give it to the people or us. They want to give it to the big businesses because that's who Trump is in the pockets of. Right now there's a race towards finding a, a, a cure for the virus, a lot of that money. under He wants it to be under his administration. Um, that's why Russia has pushed out their vaccine so early because they think it's going to help the Trump administration. But I don't think it's enough of us over here crazy enough to take it. But when it comes to that, it's also allocating money from the government that they can give to these people until we come up with a treatment or a vaccine that will allow people to go back to work safely. Because you can't have a strong economy if you have sick and dying people. But he's trying to hold out, paying anybody anything right now until mm-hmm. the election. He, he wants to try and make himself look even better. But I think yeah. um, the people will be lucky even to get the 400. So, you know, I'm just praying for Nancy Pelosi and her team to keep. Well, he's put in an executive order, so <laughs> they, they need to fight those things um, that he uh, put in those orders for. So, 
would he would he put in the executive or uh orders aren't enforceable is what the fact check fact checkers are saying um I think there should be money going to the states and local governments. I just fear that you know they're already facing budget deficits you're looking at possible layoffs and lack of services and taxes going up no i just I, I hope there's money in in the uh, relief package for state and local governments, and I know that's the sticking point that the Democrats are holding out for. So with the the way the unemployment was allocated and the federal um, assistance, so you had the $600 from the federal government, and that went from March when this pandemic started up until July 31st. Each applicant in any state would get $600 from the federal government. So regardless of where you were, where you worked, what your employment status was, if you had an FEIN or not, you get the $600. Now, there was a supplemental, uh, which is the regular unemployment. So when you lose your job and you go and file for the unemployment insurance agency, that's what it's called in Michigan. I don't know what it's called in other states. But um, you go and apply for that. Typically in the state of Michigan, you max out at 360 dollars a week. Um, where, whereas with this, because it was a pandemic and it was um, an emergency situation, the state of Michigan allowed anyone. So if you're a barber, if you're a beautician, if you're a nail tech, if you're someone who was um, uh, an agricultural person who has a farm, it didn't matter. If you were someone that worked under the table, you were awarded 150 to about $170 a week from the state. If you had an FEIN, which is, you know, the ID mm-hmm. that your employee you, or employer uses, then you got mm-hmm. the up to the max of the 365 if you didn't take out taxes. If you take out taxes, then, you know, um, you get a little less a week. So some people in the state of Michigan were getting anywhere between 750-odd plus or minus dollars to about 950-plus-odd dollars a week. For a lot of people in the state, that's more money than they've ever seen in life. For some people, that was less money than what they're used to getting on a weekly basis. Regardless, it was a decent amount of money for people to live and eat and feed their family because you have to remember, kids aren't going to school, they're not getting those two meals a day. Um, kids aren't going to school, they're not getting those snacks and latchkey. Um, kids aren't in school, so parents are paying more money to sustain their household because their kids are home 24 hours a day. Um, and that's just in the state of Michigan. You had other states that may give more with the state unemployment but that $600 was guaranteed to anyone who filed for unemployment benefits. Now that that's gone and we're a good mm-hmm. two weeks into not getting it, people are still getting that state money, but you've dropped from $900 plus mm-hmm. or $700 plus to mm-hmm. $150, $60 a week to mm-hmm. maybe $300 a week. That's a huge substantial income, even if you weren't, getting that before unemployment. That's a huge cut in your lifestyle mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic. So yeah. I 
think that 400 is not going to be substantial, 200 is not going to, because they mentioned 200 at first, and it's like, what are you going to do with $200? And then they mentioned 400. I guess that was a neutral middle. But the 600, I think, needs to be implemented again, because if these kids don't go back to school, and I don't know if these mortgage companies, because remember when this all started, the mortgage companies, your auto insurance, everybody was like, oh, we'll slide on your um, payment for however long. I think some companies did it two months. I know I'm with Progressive. They gave me a two-month cut on my insurance. That shit went right back up in July. So a lot of these businesses Uh were kind of like, yeah, we'll help you for the first few months. And then after that, they were just like, oh, you need to pay your mortgage or we're going to tack these months that we took off on the tail end of it. Um, Mm -hmm. The only thing that we're all benefiting from is student loan um, hiatus. So no one has to pay their student loans right now, federal, subsidized, unsubsidized, private. Everyone's in the same boat right now. So in the United States, Mm -hmm. no one has to pay their student loans. But what's going to happen is from March to October 1st, well, um, September 30th, you don't have any interest and you didn't owe any money. You don't have to make any payments. As of October 1st, the interest kicks back in. So now you have interest, but you don't have any payments still. You're not required. By federal law, we're not required to pay our student loans up until Mm -hmm. December the 1st. Now, when December 1st kicks in, you have interest and you have an actual payment that will start to need, you know, that will need to be paid again. Mm -hmm. So from the very beginning, though. That's why I haven't stopped paying. That's exactly why I haven't stopped. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah you're going to be in the hole. But let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. But think about the people who couldn't afford to pay when they were working or it was a struggle to pay when they were mm-hmm. working. Now you throw yeah. this in and it's kind of like, okay, I'm making less money because I'm not working or – if you're working from home, you pretty much probably didn't miss a beat. But then for some of those corporations, they took your income down to 80%. So that 20% that you're missing could be a chunk, you know, yeah. and that mm. could have been your student loan payment. So for some people, if you didn't miss a beat, you were able to pay your bills. I was thankful enough to be able to pay my car note and my insurance and my, um, you know, DTE and all that stuff because I was able to work from home and they did not cut into our income in terms of percentage. They gave us 100% of our income. However, I did not pay my student loan. So I'm like, I'm going to take mm-hmm. this break because I'm like, I'm probably going to have them until I die anyway. So, <laughs> you know, if you gave me this grace period, now if you were in a special program where you're scheduled to get forgiveness or forbearance or mm-hmm. – um, 100%. Yeah, I would go ahead. I would have still paid them. I'm not in that program. So, but I say all that to say, I think that is important because they've been playing the money life game this whole time. Mm-hmm. If these kids are forced to go back to school and then they open things up and then things get shut down in a week, we're back where we started. Are. Right. Like we're back are. where we yeah. started. So I honestly believe that they have to push for this additional $600 to sustain us through the rest of this calendar year, and then hopefully 
with all of these people, with all of these millions and billions of dollars, will come up with a vaccine. But even if they have the money behind them, scientifically, it's not feasible to have a vaccine faster than 12 months. So we have to be conscious of all of that. And if the politicians are like, we don't care about that, because Trump pretty much said it in an interview it is what it is. A thousand people are dying a day. He's like, it is what it is. So at this point, he's kind of, yeah, his morality has gone out the window or what ounce of it. No, he, ha- he never had a morality. Right, morality. that's what I said. No, what but... ounce of it we thought we, we, he had, you know, because his big thing was I'm going to sign these um, checks, these $600 checks. His signature was on there. So I think that was another way for him to pull poor people, black and brown people, it's like, oh, he signed these checks. We living off of, okay, I might, he might get my vote in November. We, right. can't, we can't afford that. Like, so, we just cannot. So, so what does the individual person get this on the second round? Do they get anything? No, I don't think so. They haven't agreed to anything yet. That's what their thoughts are about. And I was very disappointed that they all went on break. I have a strong... Um, yeah. I really feel if their money should have been in the pot, too, because yeah. no one should have gotten a break until they completed that mission. They're there for the people. Forget the break. I Take care of that mm-hmm. business and then take the break because we're talking about people's lives. Um, yeah, but that, club, that, but that club ain't taking a break like that. You know, because it, yeah, you know, because they should, and we should be holding them accountable. I don't know, how, you know, I, I think that's just my personal opinion. But it's something yeah, that's good luck with that. Talking yeah. about people's mm-hmm. livelihoods, paying for their medications, paying for, you know, mm-hmm. everybody is not making six figures like they well, are. Exactly, um, but but even if so, people are making six 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 figures, they have been out of work, and so like. Um, my brother said, he said, one's livelihood. So whether it's if, if, if you were getting that six and now it's going down to three or four, now you have messed with someone's livelihood in terms of how they live. And not to say they're, not, they're um, overspending or anything like that. It's just in the middle of this pandemic, your livelihood was, 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 was compromised. So therefore, I think that they should like I I didn't I didn't care for Nancy Pelosi to um, make that cut of saying if you make over a certain amount of money, you will not be getting you know that twelve hundred dollars. I thought that was I thought that was cold because of the fact that someone's livelihood, especially if they had children, maybe they needed that twelve hundred dollars to uh, be able to pay their mortgage or whatever they need to do with it because they had children or just how their livelihood was. Because everybody's livelihood, was, no matter what demographics you came from, was stopped. So, you know, we have to also hold Nancy accountable and um, Nancy and, and, and Mark Schumer, um, what's his name, Schumer, that too. So, so it, it has to, you know, all of them have to be, it's just not, you know, Trump is just playing, you know, that club is playing a big game. With our lives, but you have and to. We have to. You have to real. Mm-hmm. You have to realize there has to be a compromise somewhere. So the yeah. initial oh, yeah. money that they're fighting for is for the people that are unemployed. We still have a lot of essential workers, healthcare, yeah. and transportation and groceries that are yeah. still working. 
Maybe their hours might have been cut slightly, but there has Mm -hmm. to be a compromise. We can't believe wholeheartedly that we're going to get everything that we ask Mm -hmm. for, but what she Mm -hmm. wants to do is get the most important things. Um, for the people. Yeah, I I understand that, but that first stimulus bill should have been for everybody to have have gotten with that. That's the same thing that George Bush did. He didn't care if you made millions of dollars, you still got that $600. So I think that that, I didn't didn't dig how they just broke that like that in terms of, of, of who got what. It should have been across the board. Now, second time around, just like they're doing second time around with the, uh, with, with, with the unemployment of what those people definitely need that money. I, I'm, I'm not complaining because I've been fortunate. I'm very blessed to be able to go to work. Amen. Um, Amen. Because of the fact that I work in the media. I mean, if you, like, I'm, personally, I'm an essential worker. So it's just, and then I live in New York City. So I understand of, like, the dynamics of, uh, across that. So, but I think that first stimulus bill should have been for everybody, no matter what your livelihood was about. Now, this second one, I'm just asking because I'm really so mad about the first one. But that's <laughs> I mean, who in the first one didn't you know, I get think, it? I ain't yeah. get it. So I'm a little yeah, pissed. I, I, yeah. I got it. But I, I'm can, say, I can say this much. I'm not that mad because of the fact that, like I said, I've been blessed to be able to go to work, get my full paycheck. I don't have to get on the train. I work for a company that will put me in an Uber and take it. So I'm not complaining fully, but I'm, I think I'm complaining in terms of the people who did have children who, who needed probably that 1200 no matter whatever yeah. it was, groceries or whatever it was. I don't think that it should have been a cutoff. Right. My well, own I, 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 I break. I thought, yeah, I, I respectfully agree. I think there has to be a cutoff at some mm-hmm. point, whether it's uh, $100,000 mm-hmm. or $150,000, uh, mm-hmm. someone making $350,000 a year, $1,200, I don't know if I'm ready to give it to them. If it's going to right. impact. If it's going to but what if, but what if that money 20. was cut off? But what if that money was cut off during this pandemic? You don't know what someone's livelihood was about in that moment. So if, now you have cut making, off that. Maybe if that. No. If they're making oh. three hundred thousand dollars a year, they don't. Yeah. But you have to but say you have to about. But now, you but, not, but now it, you. But now you have said. Say, now you think you they know can't. somebody's livelihood and say right. if, if they if they, someone works. If someone's um, making three hundred well, thousand so, dollars, they're probably living like they make three hundred dollars dollars a year. So she's right. right. That twelve hundred dollars probably no, would have made. I, I respectfully. Yeah, I but respectfully, maybe you know that's their livelihood. I, I respectfully. No, no, they would have given. No. Yeah, they would have given everybody twelve hundred dollars a year. The person that's right. making two, uh, making twenty thousand dollars a year, they're probably not going to get to six hundred. There has to be a limit. There has to be a cutoff right. somewhere. But, okay, Excuse me, guys. Let him finish his point, please. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, yeah. What, what, I really, what I really want is, and we'll disagree on that amount. I, I just think there needs mm-hmm. to be, uh, you know, somebody making a million dollars a year, $750,000 a year, $1,200. Well, well now you're going, like, high. But you see yeah, that's, that's a different So you're telling me wait, somebody wait, who made wait. a low figure of, 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 a low figure of six figures, then you know, 
then you well, just... Well, okay, well, then uh, that's my point. You can't you go that high. To, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay, well, then well then, what's your cutoff cool. point? What's your cutoff point? I would say 150. You wouldn't believe how many money. people... That's really you not wouldn't a lot believe, of money. But you okay. would not believe okay, so how point, many... Okay, so the point has to be whatever it's going to be. But what I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. just a little for a second really, mm-hmm. was that mm-hmm. we have to look at the reasoning behind this bickering about this $600. What this administration is trying to do is to force people out of their houses to get back to work. That way yeah. he can, he can, he can yeah. tell that the economy is coming back, that people aren't afraid of this COVID-19 and all those things like that. He wants people out of the house. Schools coming back, he wants, all the, he wants everybody out. So if you're only getting $200 a week or $300 a week, you're going to probably come out of the house and try to find some way to make money to support your family. That's, the, that's a lot of the reasoning why they want to drop that amount because he feels like people get comfortable and they say, well, hey, I'm getting this amount of money, that 700 that 900 and I'm in favor of it. I think people need money. To yeah, but not get, not in a pandemic. Not in a pandemic, because now right, you've gone you, you've gone out, and now you've come back, and you may have affected your your family. Absolutely. So I, we Absolutely. are the only country who has not shut all the way down for yeah. six weeks or so to even to see where the tracking is. We continue as American. Right. Americans to say, okay, you know what? No, I need, you know, I need this. I need that. We need this. We need this. We need morale. We need this. We need to shut down the country so that people can, so we can get a handle on this pandemic. So whether somebody is getting comfortable with nine hundred or six hundred dollars, I'm okay with that as long as you're trying to to track that virus down so people will not be dying. But he's not doing that, and all that's for a reason. That the reason is oh, behind it. There's nothing wrong with it. Get out there and get back to work. Get your kids back in school. And now for this election, he can say, "Look at the economy; it's coming back. Look, people mm-hmm. aren't afraid of this thing; it's going away." Mm-hmm. There's reasoning. There's a, and I hate to say it, it's a political reason behind all these things that he's doing. Mm-hmm. His objective totally is to agree. make it to November third and win. Mm-hmm. He wants to get to November third mm-hmm. and win. He'll do anything he can to make that happen. And one of the things he wants to tout, that he wants to uh, uh, blow his horn about, is that the economy is coming back. And the economy can't come back unless people go out. People aren't going out because of this COVID-19, so he's trying to force Mm -hmm. them out of their houses. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the reason why. So let's let's right. take a look because when you're when you now that you brought the economics in, let's take a look at the Jeff Bezos of the world who made multiple <laughs> billions of dollars because USPS isn't operating properly. Everybody's going through Amazon to do X, Y, and Z. This man is making money over money over money. But then you have plants in this state. Michigan, state of Michigan, that don't have the proper PPE for the workers. Workers are getting sick. Mm-hmm. Workers are being quarantined. They're being sent home. If, if I understand stimulating the economy. I totally understand that. And having people go back to work and do what they need to do and try to gain some level of normalcy through this horrible situation. However, this isn't the type of virus that, 
is hard to catch. It's not like an STD where you actually have to physically engage and have sex with someone. We have to understand that this virus is so easy to catch. So even though we need to stimulate the economy, you can't stimulate the economy long if you send everybody back to work at the same time and then half those people contract it and 25% of those people die. I mean, and then we don't know the long-term effects of those who have survived from this virus. People are losing their hair. They're losing their memory. Um, they're dealing with cardiac um, issues with their heart and their blood. We don't know enough about this virus to say we should go out here and risk our lives. Like we already have, like someone mentioned, and God bless them all, the people that work at the stores, the transportation people, um, people in the hospital, all these different areas, and I don't want to leave anybody out, but anybody that's considered an essential worker, even the people that work mm -hmm. at Amazon, those are essential workers. The people that are postmaster, well, um, post office men and women and all those different entities that I think we all take for granted, they're still risking their lives every day, and it doesn't stop mm -hmm. for them. So if we bring all these kids mm -hmm. back to school and take all these parents and put them back to work, it's going to mess up the whole it's just going to mess everything up, and people are going to get sick. The hospitals are going to get overcrowded again. Um, you're going to have to have these makeshift um, areas to treat people. We're not dealing with that right now in Michigan because the governor and other people who are in control made the conscious effort to say, hey, we need to sit down somewhere. Whereas in the South, while we were sitting down, they were, you know, willy-nilly with everything, spring break and, you know, partying and doing this and doing that. And, and we see, even in the state of California, they shut down. They were one of the first states. It was New York, Illinois, and California. They shut down completely. And when California got lax and opened their beaches back up, their numbers spiked again, you know. And it is interesting in our own state of Michigan, and I hear that everyone's not from Michigan, but I'm sure we're all United States residents. Mm -hmm. In the state of Michigan, um, it was interesting how the coverage was done for this pandemic. It was strictly black people, Detroit, Wayne County, southeastern Michigan. That's all you heard from May, I'm sorry, from March up until about Memorial Day. I think when black people and brown people and people in this area got their shit together, our numbers went down because I was checking the data every day. Our numbers were going down, and they were staying steady. It was everybody else in the state that started rising. So now when you look at the news from Memorial Day weekend on, it's always been, oh, the state of Michigan, and we have this many cases. They haven't been as specific with the data because what's happening is white folks went up to the Capitol and protested and had guns and said, we want to live our lives. So the governor said, fine, open up kayaks, open up lakes, open up this, open up that. But all the stuff that brown and black people pretty much want to do, barbershops, beauty salons, she held out on that. And it showed a difference in our numbers. So I think that people have to be conscious. We can't just go about our lives like we want to or like they're saying we should based on the economy because the numbers are going to go back up. We're going to have more losses, and then we're, what are you going to do about that? Like, how do, you, how do you combat that when you're worried about the bottom dollar, but if you don't have anybody in place to work? Because 
these top execs and these VPs and these executive directors, they're not going to come out and do these essential jobs. They're not going to come out and do the jobs of the companies that they own. They're not going to send their family members and their, you know, nepotistic, I don't even know if that's a word, but you know what I'm saying, the people they're connected to, the people that they're connected to, they're not going to send them and do, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's the same thing when we go to war. They don't send the rich kids first. They send the poor black and brown and white people first because we're all the bullet stoppers. So that's exactly what they're doing in this war on this pandemic. Send the black and brown and poor white people to work so they can die off, and then we could just deal with whatever is left. Yeah, well, no, yeah, yeah, we know he doesn't, no care. He doesn't care about anything but the economy. And so what you're saying is correct. Um, all those things are true, but he said in so many words he doesn't care about any of that. He doesn't. He just wants the economy back. Yeah, he just wants the economy back so he can hang his hat on that uh, during this election. And know that your numbers that you see may be declining. Don't trust those numbers because right, he's right. had it in place for a couple of months that they no longer report to the CDC. They go straight to the federal government. So if you see your, your state has 1,200 cases in one day, add another 1,000 to that, and then add another 100 to the death because they, they go straight to the federal government now. So they're manipulating those numbers. To know that I they're much okay. than what they said. Yeah. They were talking about I wondered that, uh, why. today, too. I wondered mm-hmm. why, because I, I just couldn't understand. It was like they were very specific on black, white, Hispanic. Uh, we have a large Arab population here in Michigan, so they were counted as well, and then everybody else was kind of like mixed race, other, and unidentified. How can you have unidentified humans in terms of their ethnicity? And it's like, there was a large percentage of unidentified positive people and deaths here in the state of Michigan. It didn't make sense because it's like, so you don't know what ethnicity they are, so you're just going to have 10 or 15% of people who have been infected and, and died. They're not in any of those black, brown, um, white, Arab, Middle Eastern, whatever, Asian. They're not in any of those categories. Like, so how does this work? I, and, and I get what you're saying. Like, the data is not – being represented properly, but no. when this started, it was definitely represented as a black and brown disease. Like, you guys got it to work. And I, I work in healthcare, and all the people I saw on our unit, which was, is a COVID unit, were, were all Caucasian. We yeah. might have had one African-American, 80-year-old male who went home and I asked, we need to have the police down on his porch because he's going to go out to the market. That's just how quick he recovered from it. Um, so I don't know when it comes to, I mean, it seems like um, African-American minorities and even Native Americans at time are always the, um, uh, the group that is hardest hit, but that's not maybe what I see in my area. So I'm not sure. In Michigan, New York, those places like that, those close inner cities, you have more minorities than you have um, uh, uh, Caucasian people in the inner cities. So maybe their numbers and representation of those groups may be accurate. But it's not like that all over the world. You can't tell me Utah, um, they got, you know, majority of people dying African-American there because there's not that many there. So... No, I, yeah, I definitely understand that because we only make up 12% of this country's total population. So I get it, but at the same time, 
I can only speak for Michigan, and especially in Detroit, it was very black people, brown people, black people, brown every day. And then right around Memorial Day, it kind of like that Memorial weekend, white people went out and did their thing, and and then that narrative of black people, brown people, black people, brown people went to, oh, state of Michigan, state of Michigan, state of Michigan. So it's like, well, did we stop getting it? No, and I'm being facetious when I say this, but I know we didn't stop getting it, but it's, it's, when I looked at the trend of the numbers, black and brown people's numbers were going down. White people's numbers were going up. They were literally at 50% of the death and 40-plus percent of the infections, we were like at about 25, 30 percent of the total state infections and about the same amount of deaths. So we went down drastically right before Memorial Day. And then after that, the news and the media here specifically has gone from black people in Detroit and, you know, those high numbers in the Tri-County area because we still have a large black population in Wayne McCown, I mean, Wayne McCone and Oakland counties, they kept talking about those, and then they kept talking about southeastern Michigan because we made up just about the total number of, or 90-plus percent of the cases and deaths in the state. Come Memorial Day weekend into Fourth of July weekend, now everything is, oh, the state numbers, the state numbers, the state numbers. Yeah, because all those white folks got positive, and they don't want this paranoia in their community to say, sit your ass down. Like, that's basically what it should be. Sit your ass down because y'all are taking this to the little hick towns and, you know, up in the UP and uh, the upper part of the state. Everybody want to be on the beach and get in the kayak. I am guarantee you they ain't sanitizing those kayaks. But everybody want to jump in one. Right. Everybody want to get on a beach chair. Everybody want to do this. Everybody want to do that. But – what is, like, how are you keeping yourself safe? Like, how are you leaving southern Michigan and going up to northern Michigan and saying, oh, we're good? You don't know if you're asymptomatic or not. All right. Well, on that note, very passionate uh, conversation there at the end. Thank you so much. Um, before you guys hang up, let me do my um, sound bite here for the end, and then I'll cut the recorder out and then I'll have a couple of announcements real quick before you all go. So thank you so much for being here at the meeting place. It's the meeting after the meeting where real talk takes place. The goal of our discussion was to inform, enlighten, and offer resolutions. I look forward to our next topic. Be safe and take care.